On one winter morning in 1891, the people of Randolph County, Virginia, emerged from their homes to find two feet of fresh snow on the ground. And that wasn't so unusual. What was unusual was that the surface of the snow was covered with worms, live wriggling worms, a layer up to four inches of worms in some places. And no one could quite figure out where these worms had come from. Some thought they'd wriggled up out of the ground, but the snow was crusty and undisturbed. Some of them thought the worms had fallen from the sky. It happened several more times that winter. No one could quite explain it. Fun fact. In 1846, an English gentleman adventurer of the kind they had back then found an interesting snail in the Egyptian desert and sent it home to the British Museum. And the curators, presuming it was dead, glued it to a card and put it in storage. And it sat there for four years until 1850, when somebody noticed a suspicious looking filmy trail on the card. When the museum curators gave it a warm bath and offered it some cabbage, the snail poked its head out of its shell, none the worse for wear after its long hibernation. The so-called Lazarus snail lived another two years and its shell is still in the museum's collection. Fun fact. In about the year 33, a political criminal was executed outside Jerusalem in the usual way. But a few days later, it was discovered that not only was his body missing from where it had been placed, but his followers were actually meeting him alive again. Several people saw him walking, talking, and even eating a piece of fish. Fun fact. Now, one of these facts is not like the others, because only one of them changed any lives. Only one of them started a movement. Only one of them flung people out into the world to share a message like we heard Peter doing today. Only one of them got people arrested as we heard of Peter and John being today for the first and not the last time. Only one of them transformed lives and is still transforming lives today. Nobody ever got flung out into the street to preach or had their life transformed by a hibernating snail or a freak of worms in weather. Those things are cool and weird, and resurrection is certainly cool and weird. But Peter's listeners don't just scratch their heads and say, huh, dead guy alive, fun fact. They see a man healed in the name of Jesus. And they hear this message of resurrection and they know that this news isn't just something to passively hear about. This news is something to act on. Now I have a relative who I love who, when he retired, he took up a hobby of collecting frequent flyer miles. So this relative and his wife have literally traveled all around the world on very little money just by finding these special offers and amassing huge totals of points and miles. And there's a whole community of blogs and experts and people who do this 
you can go to points and miles conferences. And when there's a particularly good offer, my relative will send out a group email to friends and family. And in the subject line, he'll write, news you can use. News you can use. That means news that isn't something just to file away as trivia. This is something you need to jump on, something to take action on. And that's something a little closer to the gospel than just reading about a fun historic fact. Because the resurrection is news we can use. It matters. But it's more than that, too, because the resurrection is news that will use you. If you act on a great points and miles offer, it might change the possibilities you have for travel. But if you act on the resurrection, it will change your entire life. When Peter shares the gospel with the people, he doesn't say, sign up for this program. But he does invite them to do something. He says, metanoisate in Greek, which we translate as repent, but doesn't really have that much to do with how we use that word repent in English today. Because we think of repent as something like, feel bad about your past misdeeds. But metania doesn't mean really much about how you feel. It's how you act. It means something more like turn around yourself, reorient yourself. It means changing your behavior and changing your worldview, which often happens in that order rather than the other way around. Now, in the book of Acts, we have several of these sermons of Peter's. And in others of them, Peter spells out more of what metania means. It means being baptized, he says. It means you'll receive the Holy Spirit, he says. It means joining a new community with a whole new way of life. And elsewhere in the book of Acts, it describes that way of life this way. It says, the new believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. So it's a life of worship and fellowship in community. It's a life of teaching and learning. It also says they share their possessions, and they care for those in need. It's a life of service and action. And in very similar words, it's the same way of life that we commit ourselves to in our prayer book, in the service of baptism, and in the renewal of our baptismal covenant, which we do several times a year, and which we did just a couple of weeks ago at the Great Vigil of Easter. The apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of the bread, the prayers, love and service for neighbor and for all of creation. It's a way of life. It's a Jesus-shaped way of life, and it's an Easter way of life. And it's countercultural. And when it's lived well, it is profoundly attractive today, just as it was back then on that day when 5,000 people joined the movement. So what matters about the resurrection? What matters most about the resurrection isn't on its own the fact that a dead person once was found alive again. By itself, that could just be a curiosity, an unexplained quirk of nature, like so many other of those funny stories that leave us scratching our heads and then shrugging, putting down our coffee cup, and going on with our lives.
But the resurrection wasn't just a curiosity. And that's because of who that particular dead person and alive person was and is. He was the one who proclaimed that the reign of God was near. He was the one who healed the sick and fed the hungry. And who said that the greatest of all is the one who serves. He was the one who had already gathered a movement around himself. And when he was crucified, it looked like that movement had died with him. Except that he didn't stay dead. He is alive today and his movement is still marching. And you and I have been swept up in it. And it won't stop until God's love and glory have filled up the whole world. How did you get swept up in it? Just the fact that you're here today participating in this service means this news has reached you and touched you in some way. Maybe a way that has changed your life or is changing your life. What is it about this person of Jesus that reaches to your heart, that makes you not just file this fun fact away, but starts to transform your life, to let this news use you? might be different for different people. Maybe for you, it has to do with the search for true community or with the quest for justice or with a longing for meaning or for beauty or for human dignity or for truth. It was different, I think, for people in first century Jerusalem than it is for people in 21st century California or Sri Lanka or Nigeria or wherever this news reaches. But part of what's so good about this news is that it's big enough and good enough to speak to the longings of everybody. Because what we have to share in the risen Jesus is not just a fun fact. It's a new life.